Welcome to the Dream Big, My Friend podcast, where you will find all the inspiration you need to begin living a more intentional life today. Because no matter where you are right now in life, it's never too late to dream big, my friend. And now here's your host, Francis Vitakovic. Hey, before we jump into today's episode, did you know that I've created just for you a massive collection of freebies that includes my Do Something book. It's a no BS guide for anyone who wants to stop wasting their time today. There's also the Fabulous Day Cheat Sheet, the 25 Ways to Make Your Life Instantly Better Guide. I've also included a 12-month habit tracker template, the Abundant Mindset Guide. There's also the fantastic Your Future Self Workbook. It's a workbook designed to bring your future self to life. And finally, the Vent and Move On Workbook. It's a workbook I designed to help you resolve any issue. Right now, all these freebies are sitting inside my secret library, which you can sign up and access via dreambigmyfriend.com forward slash freebies. That's forward slash freebies. There is honestly so much goodness there. Now it's time to dive into today's episode. Welcome to this episode, my friend. I honestly am so excited to do this. This is one of the few times that I've literally run to the computer, turned it on, switched on the microphone and said, I have to do this right now. So I was actually thinking last night, I want to do an episode on body love at some point. Okay. It was like, I put it down on my notes. It's an idea I had. And then today I went to the garage and I came across something that I wrote 30 years ago, 30 years ago when I was still in grade 11, I worked on it for two years. And so I had this subject called society and culture. So it was one of the six subjects I think I chose from my high school certificate. So at the end of those two years, when you finish high school, you get, well, back then you get a TR, which is your tertiary entrance rank. Now it's called the ATAR. And that mark determined whether you get into university or not. So anyway, I came across this little folder. So if you hear any rustling in this episode, it's because I've got it here with me. It is so old-fashioned looking like it's daggy. It's actually like covered with clear contact cover. It's binded like I must have gone to a place that binded it for me. And it's typed on a typewriter and the page numbers are written in pen and there's things stuck into it. And so this is before the advent of computers. And obviously I was still so proud of it. And I thought, well, I was 16 when I did this. I wonder what the content's like. And when I had a look at it, I was actually like blown away about some of the ideas that I had. I'm going to tell you in a moment what this project was called. Well, actually, let me tell you now. So back then, I'm flipping it open and guess who's on the front cover? It's Cindy Crawford and it's got a title called The Perfect Woman. So let me explain to you. I'm going to read you the intros. I wrote this as a 16-year-old. So it's really interesting to go back and have a look at this like almost 30 years later. So this is just a part of my intro. I wrote, what is it like living in a society where images of flawless, beautiful women are displayed everywhere we go? Young, vulnerable teenagers growing up today in the midst of perfection. It would almost be impossible nowadays to flip through a magazine or turn on the TV without having a gorgeous model with a complexion like whipped cream and legs as long as the Niagara Falls stare back at us. And then I wrote, these images have been around for many decades and have continually influenced generation after generation's views. But how exactly have these images impacted us and what sort of pressures do we face as a result of it? I then went on to write, my projects generally limited to the Western world and females, primarily in Australia and the United States. I have found while thin is fashionable in these nations, it is a sign of poverty in the third world. In the third world, fat is idolized as a symbol of both health and wealth. And I find this ironic. While we choose to starve and keep thin, others would give their life just to put on this weight. This project has made me realize just how much we influence by the media. Females suffer so much in order to conform to the ideal. Social pressure is playing havoc with our health. 
will women ever be able to enjoy the natural shape? And for the first time, I actually went out and found this information for myself. It was quite hard to begin with after being spoon-fed by teachers for so many years, but it proved to be quite advantageous in the end. Not only did I satisfy my many questions, I became a more socially literate person. So that's the intro to my project. I was 16 when I wrote this. Let me flip over because I found this really interesting. So in the first chapter, I'm looking at the history of the perfect woman, so inverted commas. So in an era where we are surrounded by tall, beautiful girls with slender, reed thin bodies, it would be hard to imagine anything otherwise being portrayed as a perfect body, always inverted commas again. But quite contrary to that belief, the thin ideal has not always been so. Thin is beautiful is just a recent phenomenon. Today's idealistic body shape has shrunk considerably when compared to the body that it originally stemmed from. So ever since the earliest times, mankind's main goal in life was to stay alive, which included finding enough food. So fatness was seen as an unattainable ideal, a far-off symbol of wealth and prosperity. One only has to stroll around the art gallery to see how women's shapes have changed over the years. The most ancient human images, the Venus figures that date back 25,000 years, have been found in regions stretching from Spain to Eurasia. They show full-bodied women with large breasts, swollen abdomens, and mammoth thighs. I'm not sure why I'm using the word mammoth, but anyway, many archaeologists believe that they were goddesses who were worshipped when famine was a way of life. And I've got these examples of larger women being appreciated by the painters. They were considered to be beautiful back then. And then I continued and I wrote between the 1400s and 1700, the maternal role was considered ideal as wives were destined to spend their life at home back then, either as pregnant or nursing. And large wives began to be seen as a social asset to man. It showed that he was able to support, feed, and care for her. And in 1702, when Queen Anne came to the British throne, fashionable women were doing everything they could to be plump and display a double chin, just like the Queen herself. And even in the late 19th century, women were still padding out their inadequate figures by wearing bustles to broaden their bottoms. Doctors were encouraging a buxom look as a sign of health. And the image of large and beautiful women held sway for so many centuries. She was seen as the mother of earth. It is easy to see how the slim models of today might have felt the pressures in those ancient cultures as large women often feel in the present day. And then I've got some photos. It's from the Edwardian era of what the ideal and desirable women looked like back then. And they were considered to be these naughty pin-up cards. And they were large, well-rounded women, usually dressed in a body stocking. They all weighed around 70 kilos, so... I don't know what that is in pounds. I think it's like 160 maybe. And they were. she was a size 18. She's obviously larger, but they were, she was considered to be totally gorgeous back then. Okay, that was the ideal body shape. And then I continue to write as a 16-year-old. The next heading is from fat to thin. So many people must wonder why the image of the ideal woman suddenly shrank. After all, for centuries, a large female was envied and many would do anything to accomplish a well-rounded body. Many people believe that the insanity really started with the Victorian wasp waist. So the idea behind it was to attain a true hourglass shape, defined by a larger bust, larger hips, and a flat stomach. And so women began to be laced into their corsets so tightly that they couldn't breathe. And while it was seen as a rather feminine and delicate ideal, in reality their internal organs were being crushed and many lives were shortened. But by the 1920s, sexual images began to replace the maternal ones with the arrival of the flappers, and so began the thinning of the modern woman. So flappers were independent females who followed the fashion and enjoyed life to the fullest. They symbolized breaking away from the previous image of motherhood. And during this time, women were also fighting for equality. And in order to gain it, they set out to disguise their womanliness. 
So breasts were bound tight, clothes were masculine, and hairstyles were boyish. And then I've got this like drawing of the flappers of the 1920s, the first females to break away from the curvaceous and womanly ideal. And yet during World War II, women began to be seen as equal. They finally received the right to vote in 1902. So that's here in Australia. I don't know what it is in other countries. And they began to display their femininity again. They no longer needed to fight for equality, so they felt free to be full-breasted and curvaceous. And to a much lesser extent, the war might have aroused an unconscious instinct to feed the body. There was no place for thinness. In 1958, Marilyn Monroe was a role model for all. And surprisingly, the little black dress that she wore in Some Like It Hot was a size 16. In today's society, the fashion ideals cloned at size 10. So that's 30 years ago. It's probably littler than then. And size 16 is now an outsize. And then I've got some photos of Marilyn who looks totally gorgeous, but she's not super thin. And then I continue well, when it comes to the 1960s. With the second wave of the women's movement in the early 60s, some women again sought a way of disowning their femininity. And during this time in 1963, Patricia Hodges was rechristened the famous, infamous Twiggy. She came onto the scene 170 centimeters in height, 40 kilos in weight, and a tiny size 6. I don't know if she was actually that tiny, but that's what I wrote in this. That's what I did on the typewriter. So the man who discovered Twiggy was certain that her childlike body and stick insect limbs were destined to begin a 60s thinness revolution. Women began to see her as the new perfect woman, and many struggled to conform to this new extreme ideal. But what society did not realize that it was far from natural for a woman of Patricia Hodges' height and weight to be a size 6, an ideal imposed on all females. Then I've got a photo of Twiggy. Very, she's super skinny. And then the next heading, which is the media. Before the 1960s, the media was not the powerful influence she shaped our culture. There were newspapers, the radio, and black and white TVs, all of which had not been found for very long. But suddenly during this decade, magazines were born overnight and color exploded onto our TV screens. Advertising became competitive and the standard increased. Society could not ignore the images being projected. It was hard to resist the media influence, including the subliminal message that we got with the thin 60s models who began to set the trend. The message that we got was that we must not be fat. And the Duchess of Windsor's quote here is, you can never be too rich or too thin. Now, I'm obviously not going to read everything to you because it's actually quite a long project. It's like 42 pages, tight pages, lots of pen, lots of like stuck in pictures. And the chapters included, I shared with you the history of the perfect woman. And then the perfect woman in today's society, I've written a lot about that here. There are also chapters on dying to be skinny, which is the impact of the image on society, all the industries that benefit from the perfect woman, socialization, and so on. So I went really deep as a 16-year-old into this topic, which I find really interesting. But I am going to share with you what I wrote as my final chapter, okay? So it actually starts, this one's called Socialization, and it starts with a poem. It's by Sandy Shepherd, and I've actually never heard it since then, so I don't know where I found it. I found it as a 16-year-old. And it goes like this. My mother was pregnant. She grew enormously large. And then I was born a perfectly normal baby. Attached to the fingers of my right hand was a typewriter. And attached to the fingers of my left hand were long painted nails. On my body was a bra and my cute baby blue eyes had a pair of false eyelashes attached to them. The doctor said, congratulations, it's a girl. So why women? Before I conclude this project, we must ask ourselves a final question. Why is it females who've taken on the social problem of body size? Why are women, more often than men, frightened of becoming fat? Why do females so readily accept the pressures we place upon them about the size and shape of our bodies? The answers are simple, but they're also very complex. 
So as seen in the poem above, females take on a certain role the moment they enter society. The socialization of gender begins early in infancy and continues long throughout adolescence. Not only do young females have different toys, clothes and media images, they also have different parental expectations of behavior projected at them. This leads to the social expectation that we learn from a young age. We as females must strive to make ourselves attractive to others. And from the earliest age, and it's so cute because I must have missed it on the typewriter, so like I've written it in pen with a little arrow, we learn that beauty equals power. It is also from this point in time that we begin to rely to a great extent on the approval of others and it often forms the basis of our self-esteem. So I've got these photos of like little girls in a pageant and I wrote, before they even reach school age, young females clearly know that being pretty is an important part of being a female. Little girls like these are being rated for their beauty, charm, poise and personality. And underneath this photo, I've added this little paragraph. It says, one young lady recalls attending a beauty contest such as the one above and the great lesson she also learnt. She said, I remember being five years old and seeing the Little Miss Palisades pageant, which was a beauty parade for five-year-olds. I was absolutely hypnotized because no one listens to little girls or pays attention to them, but here were all these adult people paying attention. Sorry, I'm flipping the page. It's going to be noisy. So as adolescents, by the time we reach adolescence and begin to go to parties or other social occasions, we become aware of our clothes, our hair, and our figures. We know that they will be looked upon and commented on. People often form an initial impression of us based on our appearance. A girl who is overweight is therefore likely to be noticed or criticized for it. She's unable to as easily maintain a positive image of herself. We as a society are socialized to fear fatness, and it is no wonder that the dieting industry is a growing market for women. It was growing back then. It's massive now. Anyway, indeed, any woman who does not fulfill the requirements imposed by our culture is likely to feel vulnerable. An individual needs a very firm sense of self and a high self-esteem to be able to resist the social pressures to be thin and beautiful. Final page, I promise. So this personal interest project is outlined with the use of interviews and secondary art because I ended up going to these modeling agencies to ask some questions, which is very interesting. I've got all of that in the appendix. But anyway, let me continue. So this project has outlined the great impact that media has on females in today's society. I've always wondered how the media managed to convince us that the ideal presenter was in fact beautiful. As my project progressed, I realized the great amount of psychology behind it. The society that we live in today has evolved into one controlled by images. Television, advertising, cinema all impact our behavior and the way that we think. For years, females have been subjected to the slim expectations and the peer pressure to conform has always been strong. Women are starving themselves and mutilating their bodies to keep up with the standard set by 5% of the population who are incredibly thin. The need to be accepted is common to all individuals, but even so, the adolescents of the past decades have never faced the sort of pressures that we do in our present society. When I began my study in year 11, I was not prepared for the great amount of work that would be needed. It was demanding, but at the same time, I could see the benefits, and all of this has given me a new confidence in my abilities. In conclusion, I found my PIP, that was the personal interest project, to be one of the most informative and enjoyable pieces of research I've ever done. I understand now more than ever before the incredible role that stereotypes within society actually play. This project has given me an opportunity to study a topic that I've always been interested in and help me decide what I want to do in the future. I'm hoping to attend university and study a behavioral science such as psychology, sociology, and anthropology. So you guys all know that I ended up studying psychology, right? And my personal interest project is to me the most worthwhile piece of research completed during my many years of school. If you have stuck with me so far, I just want to say thank you because I hope that wasn't torturous to listen to my words as a 16 year old doing research into something that I have a feeling that my parents didn't even know that I was working on this. 
And it reminded me of the importance of having these conversations with your adolescent daughters. If you have a daughter and you might not even realize that this is something she's paying attention to, just make sure to strike up that conversation because you might not think that they're impacted by the images that are going, going around, but just me looking at that. Now, I'm actually going to have a separate episode called Body Love. I want to go deeper into this. I just found that today was a little bit like a step back in time. I loved revisiting that information about how previous generations and different societies like have their own different ideals. This project actually had so much more information than what I talk about. I just mentioned the intro and the conclusion here, but in between that, it explores how different cultures value different body types. I talked about how it benefited the diet industry, all the fitness plans, the weight loss centers, the cosmetic industry. They all depend on us thinking that we need to change ourselves or improve ourselves or be a certain way in order to make money. But more on that in my next episode, I'm going to record one on body love. I'm really excited to share that. I just thought it would be really interesting to share with you these wise words that I wrote as a 16-year-old. Like I'm blown away by the fact that I took the time to dig deep into this. I had my own agenda. I had a reason. And I'm going to share that with you in the next episode. So until then, take care. Dream big as always. And I can't wait to catch you there. Until then, dream big, my friend. Thank you so much for listening. If you loved this episode, don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss out. And if you really loved it, you can show your support by leaving a review on iTunes. For more inspiration, head over to dreambigmyfriend.com where you will find even more content for all the dreamers out there. Until next time, dream big, my friend.